one of the keys to a profitable coaching practice is the length of engagement with clients. You want your clients to stick around. You want to help them get to the next level and the next level and the next level, and the next level, because you're building that degree of trust. You're building that ability to help them to create and continue to create transformation. You are an amazing human being. You're a coach or expert who works hard to make a positive difference for your clients. I'm Joss Willard, and my mission is to help good coaches like you make great profits so you can live an amazing life helping the people you're meant to serve. This podcast is here to help with that. We'll be bringing you the information, resources, experts, and perspectives to allow your practice to make a difference, support the life you want, and reward you fairly and well for the impact that you bring. Welcome to Profit for Coaches. Did you know that the average business coaching client lasts for about four months? Yeah, that's what it is. When you do the research, the average lifespan of a business coaching client is about four months. Now, I don't mean they die after four months. I mean, they leave, they stop working with their coach after about four months. Today, we're going to talk about why that is and how to fix it so that you can have a profitable coaching practice with clients that want to hang around. Enjoy the episode. Real quick, before we get started, I want to make sure that the time you invest here is profitable. And the best way to do that is to make sure you grab a copy of the free ebook, The Four Must-Haves for a Profitable Coaching Practice. It's absolutely free. It's worth every penny. It outlines the four areas that every profitable coaching practice on the planet has in common. And thus, they're the four things that you must have nailed down in your coaching practice if you want it to be consistently profitable. So if you want an easy to understand, very specific tool that makes it crystal clear where to be focusing your attention in your practice and what you can safely ignore to ensure that your practice is consistently profitable and supports the life that you want to be living, go to ProfitForCoaches.com and download your copy of the four must-haves for a profitable coaching practice today. The average lifespan of a business coaching client is a little over four months. That number changes depending on where you're at, which system you're using to a certain extent, some that are higher, some that are lower. But typically, if you are a business coach and you are working with a business coaching client, the client will stop working with you somewhere between four and six months after starting, unless you have a 30-day, 60-day, or 90-day uh, program. Like you say, I'm only going to work with you for this long. But even then, um, if they're a good client and you're coaching and not just problem solving, then you're going to, the goal is to have a longer relationship with them. Now, I will say to my clients, if, if you and I, at the end of six months or a year or 18 months, depending on what challenge we're working on, if you and I, at the end of this set period of time, are still working on solving the same problem, one of us is not necessary in this relationship. Because either you're not listening to me and doing the things that you need to do to change the situation, or you are listening to me, you are doing the things that I'm giving you or helping you to discover to do, and they're not working. In which case, if it's the first one, you don't need me because you're not listening to me. If it's the second one, you don't need me because what I'm giving you isn't helping you. It's not solving your problem, right? So in either of those cases, then it makes sense to end the relationship and move on. You're, I've made an error somewhere in there, or you've made an error somewhere in there. We didn't read properly, and we've had a red velvet rope policy failure. You made it past the red velvet rope and you shouldn't have. Not because you're a bad person, just because we weren't a good fit. And I should have seen that earlier on. But leaving that aside, the vast majority 
of business coaching clients. And if we're being honest, I don't, I don't have the numbers on this. I don't have the research for what I'm about to say, but my gut instinct and my, my anecdotal experience is the same is true for life coaching and executive coaching clients. Somewhere between month four and month six, you lose them. There's a reason for that. There's very clear and a very obvious reason that most people don't know, don't understand. A lot of folks will tell you that the reason for this is because, well, they just weren't ready, or you've taken them as far as they can, or um, they're not vibrating at the right frequency, or your system doesn't work, or your system only takes them so far, or whatever. Like It's always a flaw, and it's usually a flaw with the client, because we're trained to say that any failure is external. Any failure belongs to the client. If, we're, if the client isn't getting where we want them to go. And that includes when they're a prospect. Like if they don't buy from us when we want them to, it's always the client's fault. It's always, they're not ready. They didn't see value. They want to do it. Like it's always, we always externalize that. And that comes from the history of sales training where for self-protection of salespeople, what they're taught is to always externalize the failure and internalize the success. So if you didn't make if you didn't make a sale with someone, it's always an external reason. And when you do make a sale, it's because you're awesome. That old school, deeply embedded how to protect the psyche of the salesperson. And, and don't get me wrong, especially old school sales was fraught with rejection and and failure. Like you're an exceptional salesperson back in the day had a. 30 to 40% close rate, right? Which means you failed far more often than you succeeded. So you had to protect your psyche. You had to protect your ability to keep going out and facing that failure. So, but that has been drug forward through time now to coaches and coaching. And this concept of if the client doesn't get where they want to go, it's the client's fault. Um, now, there is another school of thought out there that blames the coach that says the problem is you didn't do your job right. You didn't hold space right. You didn't ask the right questions. If if there's a if the client doesn't get where they uh, where they need to go, it's because you failed as a uh, as a provider. And that actually, believe it or not, is pretty strong in the therapy world. Um, so it's interesting. I believe, and all of the research that I have done bears this out. It's neither one. It's not a failure on either side. What happens is we're changing people's circumstances and they haven't yet changed who they are. So I call it uh, the identity failure issue. So when someone comes to me as a business coach, uh, especially when I was working with, uh, with service professionals, there are people who their identity for a long time is, I'm a struggling business owner. I'm a coach and coaches struggle. The average coach makes 30, $50,000 a year and they have to grind for that. And I'm a coach and therefore that's who I am, right? We, have, we all have this identity thing. We identify as who we are and what we do. You know, this is why you ask somebody, hey, what do you do? And they say, I'm a lawyer. They don't say I practice law or I represent people in court. They say I'm a lawyer, right? And if you, if you go around all day long saying I'm a lawyer, it shouldn't be a surprise when you go home and start cross-examining your spouse because you identify that this is who I am. I am a lawyer. This is what lawyers do. Well, we all do this. We identify with our roles. And when you've been a struggling business owner, you identify as a struggling business owner. And this sounds pretty high on the woo scale, right? Because you know my woo scale. One is hard science. If I can't feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it, measure it, it doesn't exist. 10 is the universe is entirely energy and we create what we perceive around us with our thoughts, right? So there's, there's your, your, your scale of one to 10. And saying I identify as a struggling business owner sounds like it's on the higher end of the woo scale, but it actually belongs pretty strongly on the low to mid side, uh, the, the one to five 
side of the woo scale um, because it's all about ingraining beha- habits and behaviors. So we get this when we work with um, tradespeople, for example, right? I'm a plumber versus I own a successful plumbing company. It's just plumbers, a plumber who is on the tools, who is a plumber, makes decisions differently than someone who owns a successful plumbing company. Why? Because they have different concerns. They have different things they're focused on. The input, the processing, the priorities are all different. Where you're putting your attentions and the decisions you make based on the on that are different based on your role. As a single man, I made decisions differently than I do as a married man. As a father, I make decisions differently than I did when I was someone who was childless, right? It's our roles influence how we make decisions, okay? When you are a struggling business owner, or when you are someone who's been struggling with, uh, in the case of life coaching, for example, you're someone who's been struggling with anxiety or someone who's been struggling with depression or someone who's been struggling with being unorganized or as an executive, you know, as an executive, I've been struggling with leading my teams. I'm a great technician. I'm a great doer. I haven't been a great leader. When you have those things, you struggle with things differently. When we as coaches come in and we help them change the environment and change the results they're getting, we need to make sure that we also are addressing the person, the identity, and the role that they are filling. Because if we don't, here's what happens. Let's take the plumber, for example. The plumber comes in and says, you know what? It's me and an apprentice. I'm working at maybe 60 to 70% of capacity. I'd like more business. I want a more successful business. Well, okay. A good business coach, actually a halfway decent business coach, should be able to increase your business, your revenue incoming by 30% in their sleep. Now, the problem is if I do that, you're just going to hate me because now you're working at 100% capacity, which means you have no free time. All of the things that have been slipping through the cracks are going to continue to slip through the cracks. In fact, it's going to get worse. You're going to feel more stressed out and you're going to hate life. The average small business owner is operating at 60 to 70% capacity. They all think that what they need is more business. They need more clients. They need more revenue coming in. And it's really easy to get them to 100% and then they hate you. Okay, so don't do that. But when you as a good business coach sit down with this plumber and start helping them implement the right systems so that they don't have the challenges that they had before. They're not, they're not worried about, you know, being on call 24-7. They're not worried about do I have the time to go and do the job and also do the invoicing and all you know, all the different things that, you know, the differences between making that jump between being the plumber on the tools and owning a successful plumbing company. We've input these changes and now their plumbing company is more successful. They've got more money coming in. They've probably got a couple of of journeymen uh, working for them. They're spending more time doing the business side of things. All of a sudden they get uncomfortable. And by the way, when does this happen? About three months in. It doesn't take that long to affect change in a business. It doesn't take that long to affect change in a person. It doesn't take that long to affect change in a team. Between 30 and 90 days. And then here's what starts happening. If we haven't addressed the role and the identity the plumber starts making decisions, starts going, I don't know what to do here. I don't, I don't belong here. Or I don't like the idea of making this decision because when I was the plumber, I didn't like it when the boss made those types of decisions. I want to make the decision that's best for, for me as a plumber. Well, the decisions that are best for you as an individual plumber who's turning wrenches is different than the type of decision that needs to be made that's beneficial for the, most beneficial for the company, right? So when you, when you feel like you're a struggling business owner. You've always been a struggling business owner. Now you don't have a struggling business. You have a successful business. This doesn't work. You don't fit in this role. And so you start self-sabotaging. You'll start missing appointments. 
you'll start showing up for appointments uh, for coaching sessions without having done your homework or, your, or taken your action steps between sessions. Um, you'll start pushing back a lot more. Things feel harder because you're in a transition stage. Now, a mistake that a lot of coaches make is they go, I'm going to do in 90 days. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to do 90-day segments. I'm going to bill you 90 days at a time. And at the end of the 90 days or the end of the three months, that's when we're going to evaluate whether we're going to continue to work together. Well, the problem is when they're feeling uncomfortable somewhere between that 30 to 90 day period, they've started feeling uncomfortable. And now you're asking them to spend more money with you and to commit to continuing to work with you. Nobody volunteers to be uncomfortable. What happens at that point, especially if they're a business owner, especially if they're used to being a struggling business owner, is they're like, you know what? The more I think about it, being the single plumber with an apprentice in one van wasn't that bad. I think, I think I'd be okay with going back to that, with just having made a few of these, these changes. I, I think I'm okay with just you know scaling it back because they don't realize, they don't know yet that if they sit through this or walk through this with you and you can help them make that change of identity, it's going to be a much better world on the other side. All they know is the vaguely remembered pain of the past situation and all the, the good times from the past that they remember they remember those things as being more comfortable than the pain of the transition that they're currently going through now. And so given the opportunity to stop the pain, the new pain, the uncertain pain, the pain that they don't know when or how it's going to end, and go back to the pain that is comfortable to them, when they're given that temptation, they're going to take that. So the key is working through that. The key is making sure that we're going to work together for the next six months. And we know that somewhere between month two and a half to three and month four, four and a half is going to be that turbulent, transitional, uncomfortable phase. But because we're committed to working together for the next six months instead of three to four months, we're going to work through that part and we're going to get you where you need to go, which is why people don't work with me for three months unless it's uh, one of my group coaching programs, which is specifically designed to solve uh, one problem by the end of the program. You're either going to get book solid or you're going to have good cash flow. Those are the two, right? So when you are looking at clients and when you're looking at how to make your coaching practice profitable, one of the keys to a profitable coaching practice is the length of engagement with clients. You want your clients to stick around. You want to help them get to the next level and the next level and the next level and the next level because you're building that degree of trust. You're building that ability to help them to create and continue to create transformation. Now, I'm not saying this in the way of, well, you want to keep them around and keep them on the hook and make sure that you constantly have that monthly revenue coming in. Yes, you want continuous revenue coming in. But if we've done our marketing the right way, if we've built our client acquisition process the right way, there's no shortage of people waiting to work with you. Okay, So it's not, we're not doing this because we're afraid that if we let this client go, we don't have more business. We're wanting to build longevity into the relationship so that we can make sure that the transformations that we help our clients create stick, that are not one-time flash-in-the-pan things that they then abandon or go, I didn't get the result that I wanted or I got it for five minutes and then I stopped doing it and, and it went away. We want to make sure that whatever it is that we're creating with them sticks around and that we can continue to build on it. I don't necessarily want to be coaching my clients forever, but I definitely don't want them to work with me for three months, get frustrated and quit because I let them off the hook by saying, oh, well, you know, it's been 90 days. Do you want to renew? Because in that 90 day window is when they start to feel uncomfortable. And that's what I call the identity failure issue. When we as coaches fail to recognize that our clients have an identity or have a role that they have identified with and the behaviors and habits that go with that role, 
If we don't address that and all we do is suddenly build them a successful business or suddenly help them stop dealing with one particular cause of anxiety or deal with one particular troublesome teammate if they're an executive or whatever that, that case might be. What if, if all we do is just address the circumstance and the situation and don't change how they see themselves and how they fit into the role or identify with the new role, all we're going to do is frustrate them and allow them to go back to where they were or feel even worse. And when that happens, they go tell everybody how terrible the experience they had working with us. And this is how coaching gets a terrible reputation. Well, this is part of how coaching gets a terrible reputation. And this is how coaches have an average expectancy of three to four months with their clients. And it's funny because the gurus out there who are teaching people to sell high ticket programs, they will tell you your high ticket program should be three months, three months and out. Why? Because all they're teaching you to sell is an info product or a done with you or something that solves a particular problem. And they don't know how to deal with the person because they're not selling coaching. You're selling training or you're selling info products. That's really all the gurus are teaching people how to sell. And training can be effective in three months. That's why my group programs, they're more training than coaching. And that's why they work in three months. And then you open the door to, hey, let's continue to coach. But if you're trying to affect ongoing lasting change, you need more than three months. And the way to get that is to make certain that the role your client inhabits and identifies with changes with the situation. See you next time. That's it for this episode of Profit for Coaches. I've been your host, Joss Willard. To make sure you never miss a new episode, go to ProfitForCoaches.com to subscribe now. You'll also find all the show notes, resources, guides, links, freebies, and other goodies that we mentioned on the show. Plus, we've got some special bonuses there just for our subscribers. So to make sure you profit fully from this and each new episode of Profit for Coaches, go to ProfitForCoaches.com now.